time plate stays triggered on the wheel rat race begins here's a cool episode for you before i get started let's talk about these tracks it's easy to overlook when we talk about maker ed that a lot of the greatest maker educators i know are makers themselves Lulahana is also known on the interwebs as Techbrarian, and he wrote and produced tracks at the beginning and end of this episode. He's a great inspiration to remind us all, as Tasker Smith from MIT reminds us in this episode as well. We need to stay inspired. Consider it like facing turbulence on an airplane. Put the mask on yourself first. It's a different format. In this episode, I reached out and asked some of my favorite maker educators to send me recordings where they just talk into the mic a bit about resources that they often recommend to other educators or folks just interested in what they do. I'm so grateful to a rock star group of five featured in this episode and hope we can make it a more regular thing. My thanks in the order that you hear from them to Lori Stahlvan Brackle, Tasker Smith, Jennifer Latimer, Dr. Matthew Farber, and Doc Lou Lahana, the tech brarian. Hey, you know what resource I hope you're recommending to others? No such thing podcast. And you know what helps me to keep making episodes? Like, rate, and review the show wherever you download it. And please head to facebook.com slash no such thing podcast first like the page then respond to our listener survey which is one of the first posts on the page i want to know more about you and get your ideas for upcoming episodes hi mark this is Lori stahl van brackle from the manhattan new york city department of education Barrow office. Uh, I am the instructional tech director, uh, and in this capacity, I've developed a maker ed cohort of about 30 schools throughout Manhattan that are looking to develop maker education in the classroom or develop maker spaces. Uh, we have maker spaces in several schools and uh, quite often I'm asked to sit in and talk with a principals particularly, and educators on developing a makerspace. Um, I have several resources that I like to refer educators to and, and principals to. Um, and I tend to go to these meetings usually without anything, um, because I, I really want principals to give teachers some autonomy. Um, I think that's probably the most important thing that a principal can do when it comes to developing a makerspace is to find a teacher and put them in the space and give them some autonomy to create a maker-centered curriculum. Um, that is not always possible, um, but if we're talking about an ideal world, um, that would be it. So one of the uh, Resources that I do refer people to is uh, a book by George Kuros called The Innovator's Mindset. I think it's a great start to get principals and educators to start thinking outside of the standards, um, which, you know, we, we must align everything to. And I know that, but I'm just going to read this uh, part of what he wrote. Inspiration. And no standard has ever inspired anyone. Inspiration is one of the chief needs of today's students. 
Kids walk into schools full of wondering questions, yet we often ask them to hold their questions for later so we can get through the curriculum. We forget that our responsibility isn't solely to teach memorization or the mechanics of a task, but to spark a curiosity that empowers students to learn on their own, to wonder, to explore, to become leaders. We forget that if students leave school less curious than when they started, we have failed them. Um, I think this mindset, this concept of inspiring students to be learners and to learn beyond the classroom is essential to maker education. And when you look at maker education as a component of education, not not the answer to everything because it isn't, it is just one of the tools in a teacher's toolbox. It is a way to help students acquire knowledge, mastery, demonstrate their knowledge and mastery. Um, There are so many things that giving a student a challenge to make something sparks uh, that innovation, that inspiration rather, is essential to maker ed. It is the cornerstone, I believe, as well as, you know, flexibility and the design process and all of the good things that go with it. But it has to start somewhere and it starts with inspiration. Hey, everyone, this is Tasker Smith uh, checking in from the Popolardo Lab at MIT. Um, Hey, I'm just so grateful to Mark uh, to reaching out to me. I think it is so important to stay inspired and... um, uh, I love thinking about how I do that in my own life and sort of how to connect with people who are interested in doing the same thing, you know, and as, a, as an educator, you know, it's like, it's probably nothing more important than getting your students sort of fired up, uh, about what they're learning about, but just to be inspired in general, it's just so important. So, uh, I kind of, I kind of think about it a little bit like, um, like, uh, you know, an emergency in an airplane when the mask comes dropping down in front of you, like it's important. You've got to, you've got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of the people around you. So think about it. It's so important to fill yourself with inspiration so that you can exude that, you know, into the people in your community. Um, so, uh, so I'm working uh, now in a lab at MIT. We're in the middle of a uh, machine design class called 2007, where we have 170-odd students designing robots simultaneously. It's a hotbed of activity this particular week. Um, and we're, we're kind of on the tail end of a, the front cycle where we're doing a lot of early-stage iterative design development. And what I wanted to talk about today was the um, was our use of the laser cutter. Laser cutter... Uh, is such an essential piece of this early stage design work. I mean, you could certainly work without one, but I'm just telling you, we have one and we use it for everything. We use it for making uh, like design platforms. We use it for making linkages. We use it for making gears. We use it just to kind of mock up scale elements. Um, it's just, it's, it's amazing how, um, how quick this tool is and how useful um, the artifacts we, we pull out of this thing can be. So, uh, so in our lab, like that thing is just awesome. And, uh, I like to, I like to look to ways to get people fired up about it just because I, I think about how valuable that tool is. So, um, just from a super high level, I guess I'd say like when I'm thinking about the displays we build in our lab and, um, and the, the way that I sort of talk about some of this technology, uh, first place I look to is I, is I'll do sort of a general survey of, um, some like creative 
resources that I look to out in the world. Like um, I look to Make Magazine, their online resources where it's sort of uh, filled with projects um, made by people, not unlike myself. Uh, I look to Instructables is another great resource where people not only talk about um, interesting projects, but they tell you how they make them and they'll tell you how to make them. If you're interested, they give you resources. Really great. Um, I might look to places like Etsy, um, which is a marketplace for makers and um, or maybe even doing a, a survey through Pinterest. You know, you can pull out, tease out like a lot of interesting singular elements that will help you to kind of build on ideas and think about how to, how to talk about these technologies to get people really interested in them. So starting from a super high level survey, maybe that would be a great place to begin. Um, I can tell you uh, I encountered one not too long ago, this one uh, called the prototyping. Uh, it's called prototypinglibrary.com that uh, I can't sort of speak more highly about. It's really uh, this beautifully executed website. Um, I'll give credit to this fellow, uh, Matthew Wettergreen, I believe is his name. It's the Oshman Engineering Design Kitchen. But they just have uh, on this website, they have oh, this huge collection of really interesting gauges and etched elements and boxes and flexures. Um, a flexure, if you don't know what that is, is um, uh, it's an artifact that you, there's, a, there's a laser cutting technique where you, um, you basically cut a perforation into a solid surface. And uh, the effect is that it converts that solid surface into one that um, feels flexible. So if you haven't seen that, that is totally cool. Um, they've just got a bunch of different kinds of joint um, concepts, ways of connecting things, just um, really beautiful collection of stuff. And again, uh, uh, very generously willing to share files associated with all of these things. So if you had this kind of tool in your facility um, and you didn't have a lot of artifacts around it, I'd, I'd highly encourage you to go and just duplicate some of the stuff that you might find in a place like um, like this online library. It just it gives you a platform both to have conversations with students, but also with administrators and maybe, um, you know, people that uh, it's, it's just it's helpful to um, to have stuff that gets people psyched. You know, so I would look to a place like that as a, as a really great source of inspiration. Um Beyond finding specific sources like that, another great um, another great way to find interesting stuff is to go through uh, a vendor network. So we have our particular laser is a universal uh, systems laser. And through um, our service techs years ago connected me with um, this list of white papers uh, that describe different um, techniques and sort of best practices associated with all kinds of stuff related to lasers. So, um, so sprays for metal marking, like they have like a list of resources there, tips on how to do etching and tips how to do cutting. Um, they have uh, uh, sheets on how to do three-dimensional etching, which is an interesting sort of function that we have associated with our laser. Um, I think it's more of a software trick than a hardware trick. So if you have a laser, it's likely you can do these things as well. Um, some cool uh, demos of... Um, how to uh, laser etch rubber in order to make rubber stamps, you know, so things that don't cost a lot material wise, but that, um, that uh, make really interesting artifacts. I think that are fun for students. Like if you can make things that are really personal, I feel like it has like a opportunity for big impact. And, um, you know, anytime you're using a tool to make another tool, that's just inherently cool. Right. So, um, just tap into your, your vendor network. Um, I, I did a, a quick survey or a quick, uh, search and, um, Epilogue is another, uh, maker of lasers. They have, um, this resource called the Epilogue Laser Sample Club. And again, it's just another online sort of archive of all these interesting things that people have done. And people are super generous about sharing their files. So 
Um, there is no shame in duplicating what's out there because, you know, honestly, we're all just kind of trying to build on this energy that other people have, you know, sort of laid before us, you know, or standing on the shoulders of giants that have done all this stuff before. So, so don't be afraid to, uh, to, um, to mimic and to imitate, to kind of build on some of the work that you see in your midst. Um, I guess one last thing I would say is this, I just can't emphasize how enough, how important it is to tap into, um, community and build community around, um, around your own school, around your own classes, around your own facility. Um, you know, we very regularly will cruise around and check out other, uh, maker spaces. We'll go to other schools and it's always just fun to see how other people are trying to solve the same problems that you are. Uh, everyone seems to handle these things a little bit differently. And, um, you know, so I, you know, the spirit of our lab was we're always trying to make it better. And, um, one way to do that is to look around and learn from other people. Um, the spirit also of building on vendor networks, you know, we also, um, will host events. Uh, I think you'll find that if you check in with people, uh, um, that are resources for you, they're often happy to come and uh, be a part of events. If you can provide them with an audience, you know, so we'll host these events in our lab where we'll bring in a vendor that is there to speak about something. They're an expert. They have expertise in and, um, and it's on a topic that we're interested in. And so we have an opportunity not only to build our own expertise, but to build some community around the idea of, uh, of making things. So that's, that has worked out well for us. And I would encourage you to do that in your own, your own worlds. So, so many ways to be inspired. Um, I will feed some of these links to, uh, to Mark to post at the podcast and, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to me directly. Um, my name is Tasker Smith and you can find me on LinkedIn and, um, uh, it's great to be connected. I hope uh, if I can be a resource to you, you'll reach out. And thanks again, Mark, for giving me this opportunity to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that I'm inspired by. Hi, Mark. I'm so happy you asked me about my favorite resources that have inspired me most as a maker educator. For your audience that do not know me, my name is Jennifer Latimer, and I am the school media specialist at Clinton Elementary School in Maplewood, New Jersey. My life as a maker really started when my mother politely refused to buy me a Barbie dream house, and she instead took me to the grocery store and let me pick out any cardboard box I wanted. She truly believed I could create a unique dream house with my own ingenuity. Thanks, Mom. My maker growth in the library was influenced by so many factors, but I love the book Invent to Learn by Sylvia Martinez and Gary Stager. It was one of the first maker books that I used as an adjunct professor at the New Jersey City University and as a media specialist in the library. For me, it was a super approachable resource that I literally could pick up and get inspiration. From its brief history of maker education to teaching strategies and supply lists, it is a powerful resource, and in fact, it has been just updated and expanded. One of my favorite parts of Invent to Learn is found on page 164 under the section heading Show and Tell. We are reminded that some teachers like to inspire students by showing them completed projects, and yet this can stifle creativity. As part of my practice, I have found that limited instructions and minimizing completed work is more powerful. For example, this year we had second graders create a design out of miscellaneous materials they received in a bag. The only rule was they were not to use the bag and only the materials inside the bag. So in the end, approximately 90 to 100 students created the most fun, silly, and creative pieces, and most were not at all what I had imagined, from cardboard tubes, pom-poms, buttons, googly eyes, pipe cleaners, and felt. We had purses, butterflies, 
drink glasses with straws, monsters, musical instruments, and modern art. Really, for me, maker education is about students and teachers reclaiming and rejoicing in the magic of play. I am happiest when creating, discussing, and making. We often forget that when students love school and love learning, we all have a better experience and we are building better citizens of the world. Thank you for asking for my thoughts. Hi, my name is Matthew Farber. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Northern Colorado of Educational Technology and Technology Innovation and Pedagogy in the School of Teacher Education. Uh, Prior to being an assistant professor, I was a classroom teacher of social studies for about a decade, and I was a constructionist gaming teacher. Uh, In other words, I was always looking for some sort of like magic elixir where my students would learn everything through games. And uh, really what I came upon through practice, and then I discovered a wonderful book and resource that I'm going to recommend, is this notion of constructionist gaming, where you play a game and then students use that as a launch pad to create a project. For instance, my students would play Win the White House from iCivics, and then they would work on projects where they would have to teach others about civics, including gaming tools like Scratch and Twine, as well as other construction as building tools. Um, so the resource I'm going to recommend is a book from Yasmin Kafai and Quinn Burke. It's called Connected Gaming. What makes video game, what making video games can teach us about learning and literacy, which Yasmin told me, uh, at a conference once, uh, that it's really a play on Jim G's what playing video games can teach us about learning and literacy. Here it's making. And uh, there are really quite obvious ones um, that prove, I would say, that this form of teaching is out there uh, in informal learning, because that's what Minecraft is. We have survival mode and we have creative mode. And uh, there are a lot of examples in this book, like Little Big Planet 3 and um, Scratch as well. So in uh, many of these instances, uh, what we need to do is look for games and create games that include, uh, or uh, even if they don't include, the teacher should include some sort of constructionist gaming element where students learn by creating a game because that's what kids generally want to do. That's why Minecraft is so successful. Fortnite Season 8 has a creative uh, built into it where you can create your own forts on an island. These aren't happy accidents. This is how um, we learn. We learn by constructing meaningful artifacts. And when we construct games, uh, we are constructing an interconnected system. So this book is terrific, Connected Gaming. Um, I highly recommend it. There's a a research paper on it also by Yasmin and Quinn Burke called Constructionist Gaming. Um, And uh, the uh, book is actually part of a um, research grant from the, uh, uh, I believe it's from MacArthur. And uh, it's published by MIT Press, and uh, it's uh, on MIT Press, but it's highly readable. It's uh, not, you know, filled with um, a million academic citations making it like a a hard read. It's uh, actually quite accessible, and I highly recommend it, and thank you so much. Hey, my name is Lou Lahana. Thanks for having me, Mark. I run a social action-themed makerspace at PSMS 188, the Island School. 
You can learn more about it at techbrarian.com or you can follow us on Twitter at uh, the Techbrarian. I'd say the resource that's having the biggest impact on me right now is Adbusters. It's out of Canada, uh, a magazine, has digital format, and it's really this anti-capitalist, subversive magazine that really challenges consumerism and all sorts of power structures that deserve to be taken down, as well as social issues like the alienation created by uh, the modern age of technology. I'm staring at a page right now, which is sort of like a scribbled out, hacked uh, Calvin Klein ad, and with a couple longingly touching each other and looking at each other, but then there's this bright yellow box saying, 20 years ago, before the internet, three out of four 17-year-old women had had a special romantic relationship in the preceding 18 months. Today, more than half say they've never had a romantic relationship of any kind. I'll read you a section of this really amazing article they had in this month's issue uh, that really got me thinking. It says, you remember it, don't you? When you two started walking with your head down, the first buds of spring pushing forth unnoticed, the eagle wheeling above you in the high sky, unseen, a text suddenly as good as the touch of a hand, a selfie as warm as a hug, no big deal, right? A mere tweak, a tone shift, a new ambiance to inhabit, buzzing and flashing and futuristic, quite exciting, really, and yet, and yet, that moment you lived through 10 years ago was one of the most significant in human history. Indeed, it was humanity's second great migration, the moment we departed the physical world for a virtual one. I just love that idea. We really have been transformed by our um, obsession, by our envelopment in the digital world. And I really like to challenge my students to think about what the repercussions of that are. So I, I encourage you to take a look at that and take a look at what my students have created. You can find links to our Vimeo channel, music, and our SoundCloud page by checking out techbrarian.com. Signing off. My thanks to Lori, Tasker, Jen, Matt, and Lou for their terrific input in this episode. I'll let Lou take us out with a new track he titled Set the True. True and I and I held your hand, knuckles rubbing gently. Walk the sand, snuck a kiss. For more info about advertising with us, charitable sponsorship, or if you have show ideas you want to share, find me on Twitter at MA Lesser. The tracks in this podcast were produced by Leroy Tindy, a guest in Episode Zero, an Ithaca bomber, an engineer of digital things and fresh beats. Find him on SoundCloud at Air Tindy Beats. No Such Thing is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you, and our show notes can be found at nosuchthingpodcast.org. This show would not be possible without the support from the good people at Mouse, a national youth development nonprofit that believes in technology as a force for good. Find us online at Mouse. Boys, I wouldn't nail, boat broke 
in slow motion I fell in these stone of the stairs Scared loose, brutal proof Revealed in thump, thump, thump Pop, flash, ooh, ooh Dumb, dumb, head numb What to do?